Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show, The Umbrella Academy. Today we'll be covering the second episode from the Netflix TV series, The Umbrella Academy, titled Run, Boy, Run! Run! Run, boy, run! Run, Forrest, run! (laughs) I wasn't even thinking of that (laughs) until you just did that. I like it. Mama always said, time travel's dangerous, it can mess with your head. Oh my gosh, I love it. I wasn't even thinking of Run Forest Run. That's one of my favorite lines. My little brother is like the best. He can do that Forrest Gump voice spot on, and I swear he can quote the whole movie. It's amazing. We just, (laughs) we make him do it all the time. Super fun. Yeah. flick. It's a good flick. Everybody should watch it, I hope, by now. Um, well, I'm really excited to talk about this week's episode, um, episode two. So let's jump into our top five without further ado. Sean, what's your number five? All right. So my number five, simply I'm just going to go with because it seemed like a pretty big theme in this episode was time travel. Yes. So, you know, we just see that number five gets to come back and they're – you know, he had gone missing at some point, and we get to see kind of when that happened. And I like that, you know, even – I kind of wondered if if his attitude was more built on him being alone in the future for 30-plus years or if, or if he already kind of had that attitude, like that kind of very snarky, very kind of uh, mm-hmm. antisocial kind – not really antisocial, but like anti-establishment you know, establishment kind of attitude – yeah. And we get to see dinner. It's a very proper style dinner. <laughs> very formal. No talking yeah. allowed. <laughs> and number five takes out a knife and just jams it on the table. And I don't even <laughs> think the dad like jumped. Like he's just no. like, all right, like this is a common occurrence. And he goes on this tirade about wanting to time travel. And just like a kid, like I, I felt like this was a very like family, you know, parent to child thing. He's like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. It's like, no, you can't. If you do it, you're going to hurt yourself mm-hmm. and you're just not ready. You know, I've got a three-year-old, and you're like, hey, don't stand on that because you're going to fall and hurt yourself. And they're like, ah, no, and then they fall and hurt themselves. You're exactly. like, see, that's why. You kinda, it's kind of like one of those things. You run that little uh, gamut of like, well, I want them to kind of hurt themselves so they Just realize to not to do it. Yeah. yeah. But I really don't want them to break anything and have to pay for a doctor's appointment. Just, just a, enough damage to hurt just a little so they learn yeah. a lesson, but you don't want them to break anything or yeah. require stitches. <laughs> but that's what you see here. And number five is like, well, screw this. And he starts time traveling. It was only like three jumps. Like it seemed like he mm-hmm. jumped a couple seasons. And the the timeline in this was kind of odd because they're born in the 80s. But all the stuff, as I remember, it seemed very different. And there was a, yeah. there was, and maybe that's why uh, I just kind of remember this line. When they were looking at a knife that they found, they had said that it was to a cold case from 1938. Yeah, I was confused by that. And in some of those shots when he was walking, it looked like stuff like cars and stuff from the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if, you know, these, you know, we saw him jump three times really quick, but maybe he jumped, hung around there for a little bit, jumped again. And so this wasn't really just like three quick successions of jumps and he was in the future. But quickly we see him get stuck in this future, eight days from episode one that we know mm-hmm. of. And he is here alone. He runs back to the academy. It's blown up. 
And it's very subtle, but you see that tear, kind of like that kid thing, because he can't get back. He's already tried to get back, and he can't. Yeah. And you see that tear of like, oh, man, I fucked up. Like, I'm stuck here. Like, what am I going to do? And I thought it was a very, just very good, like, progression to his character, too. Because not only is he stuck here just for a little bit, but he's stuck here for 30 years that we know of. Yeah. Alone. And... I'm going to not say it yet, but you know, <laughs> we get a little bit of a hint that you know he found somebody. He did. <laughs> and I remember when he said that to Klaus, and I was like, wait a second. I thought he said he was alone in this future. Yeah. And it broke my heart. And I'm going to save it because it's very worthy of a higher number than a five. But It is. Um, I, I just enjoyed this whole time travel thing that, that he had going on in it. And I like – you know, I think this would be something they could, ex- you know, experiment a little bit with each episode. And again, the 1938 thing is kind of, you know, something I'm keeping in the back of my head. Like, what happened with that? Yeah, I that kind of threw me a little bit too. I'm, I'm glad that's where you're starting because that's actually my number five too. Is is where we start off on this time travel trip there in the beginning. I liked that whole scene. Again, we get to see this interaction, or I should say, lack of interaction. The children actually get with their father, and it makes you wonder how much time does he spend with them, other than like when they're training. You see a couple of short scenes in the beginning, you know, when he's kind of taking command of them or ordering them around at the bank robbery scene. Or when they're he's training them, it looks like I guess somewhere in the mansion. You know, they're running drills and such. Um, but then it seems that he very much, you know, kind of does his thing, and the children are kind of doing their thing, and they they're not even allowed to talk at dinner time. And it's like, you know, that to me was, you know, in in my household when my kid was growing up, before we got too busy with travel ball and everything else during high school. But we always tried to make an effort at least once a week to have a family dinner, and that was when you know you catch up and you talk and you chit chat and what's going on with your week and how are things going and you kind of catch up on each other's lives. Um, and even if that was the only true interaction that we got we at least had that so it was very foreign to me to see like you know oh no you know talking at dinner and then there Mm -hmm. i didn't even know what they were listening to you know even on my second watch i guess maybe i should have turned on the captioning or something to kind of catch what that was but they're having to listen to some type of you know audio Um, i don't know if it's some type of lesson or what they were learning or what benefit that was but i would I would hate that. And I would be just as stubborn and bullheaded as number five and been like, you know, stabbing the table and be like, I want to do this and you're going to pay attention to me and I'm, you know, going to do something to get your attention. So I like that whole scene. Kind of made me sad, though, just to see, you know, the lack of interaction and just how he's not really a father to them. Um and then as he's time jumping, I was trying to see, like you, I, I missed the cars. I think I was looking more at the buildings and the people around mm. and how the seasons kind of changed because it looked like it was, you could see it was like dinner time. So it was a little bit, not dark, but like it was a little bit darker. And then he jumps and it's real bright and then there's snow. Um, and then when he jumps into like the apocalypse, you know, it, it was kind of, I mean, I was trying to think gosh, what would I do, you know, in that type of situation if everything around me was all of a sudden just completely, you know, destroyed. And it wasn't just like things were on fire. Buildings were crumpled to nothing. Um, And when he goes running back um, to the mansion and he sees that his siblings are dead. And I wondered at first, how did he even recognize his siblings? Because when he left, they were all still teenagers. Um, I had the same thought. Um, I don't want to jump too far. I mean, this is my number two, so I'm okay mm -hmm. talking about But I I pondered that too because it's like he – he knew him as kids, and this—you right. know—let's say, let's say this wasn't like a quick jump to the future. Let's say he did go back to like thirty-eight and all this kind of stuff. But when he got there and he found four of his siblings dead, it would have been mm-hmm. probably close to the academy. 
Um, he would have had 30 years probably to go through the academy, find pictures, find things, and realize, oh, shit, like, okay, this is my brother. This is them. So I, I would imagine it probably been from, like, finding things in the well, academy that would have led him to that. What I was able to piece together, just what made sense to me, and that that makes sense, too, is over time he's had time to realize that, you know, they're, they're his siblings. But also we see on Klaus, you can see the umbrella tattoo. That's true. Oh, yeah, good point, good point. So maybe he was able, once he saw, you know, one of them with the umbrella tattoo, thinking, oh, wait a minute, you know, we all have that. And then he was able to deduce, you know, by that who each sibling was um, as an adult. That's what I got. But we saw Luther... Uh, we saw Allison. We saw Klaus. Um, we know Ben has died sometime before that. Now, he was an adult, so we don't know exactly when. And he doesn't know that yet because Ben was alive there at the dinner table. That's true. Um, but where was Vanya? Yeah. Well, and Diego was there, too. So all of the right, children Diego. except five and Vanya were there. So it's like, okay, so we know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Again, it just makes me wonder what. Vanya's role is what's her power but that's kind of going off into a different kind of way but I'm like okay that was my question and I really liked Aiden Gallagher he's the the actor that um he's playing number five he's a really great choice because I feel like he he seems like an old soul yeah so no, I get that yeah he, he plays that really well you can kind of buy that he's an old man trapped in a 15 year old or 13 I can't remember how old they're supposed to be 13 or 15 um year old body so he he plays that very well the sarcastic you know I, I'm I'm tired of your shit or else I'm too old for this shit you know <laughs> so I really like him but that's that's my number five too I, I like that whole whole scene and where we kind of get you know just how did he get there and what happened? So now that kind of clears that up for us a little bit. And I thought one of my favorite lines from that too is when he goes to his dad and he tells him, he's like, I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this would be almost like a, a bat or not a Spider-Man kind of like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not afraid. But his dad says, fear isn't the issue. Yeah. I thought that was kind of, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, my kid just skinned up his knee and was walking down, you know, we're walking back home and we're like, oh, we'll get a Band-Aid when we get home. He's like, no, no, I don't want a Band-Aid. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's because you're a tough guy, right? Like, you know, just because, you know, you put a Band-Aid on it doesn't mean you're not a tough guy. And that's that, you know, it's that kind of thing where it's, you know, it's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't matter if you're afraid or not. That's not the issue. Because it's okay to be afraid. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes us all human. I think, you know, I'm trying to remember, there was another thing where somebody was saying something like, fear is always kind of an interesting thing when people talk about, because I think a lot of people always talk about, you know, whenever, you know, it's like, well, I'm never afraid, you know, I'm never scared. And uh, if you listen to the next you know, a couple weeks episode, you'll figure out that I was the most scared in my life when I was in uh, Jersey. Oh. Uh, we'll leave that as a little spoiler for you well, guys. teaser. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things that I thought somebody I'm going to paraphrase it and do it terribly, but they talked about like war and, you know, it's like one of those things it's like, and maybe this was saving private Ryan, but it's like, you know, how aren't you afraid? It's like, I'm, I'm fucking shit in my pants right now. Like I'm super scared. Like, yeah, that's what makes me human. You know, it doesn't mean I'm not a man if I'm scared. It's just, you know, who wouldn't be in this situation. Right. So I always, I kind of, I kind of dig on that just in a, the uh, you know theoretical sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. I liked that too, and he was very matter of fact with him because he's like, "Well, that that's not what matters here," you know. And um, you could tell that he was number five was pretty anxious just to, you know, 
he's like, I've been practicing, I've been doing this. And, you know, clearly their dad doesn't think he's ready yet. And he's just ready to like skip ahead. He seems like the, the, you know, the overachiever, the brainiac of the bunch, you know, that he's just like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And he's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And we don't know. I don't think enough to know. I mean, clearly he, maybe he wasn't quite ready um, for it because it seems like he, you know, does struggle a little bit with controlling it or um, being able to come back. And then it seems like it's kind of messed with him a little bit, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's a really good number five that like that, that tied in with mine. So what about your number four? So my number four, I feel like this is a sitcom that needs to be a spinoff from the series (laughs) and it's Klaus and five. (laughs) <laughs> their their interactions was just awesome. You know, I love that, you know, so, you know, we see number five having that conversation with Vanya and she leaves and Klaus jumps out. He's wearing this like outfit and, you know, just the interaction between two and number five is like, I told you to put on something great. And he's like, well, this is my best outfit. Yes. And, you know, they're, they're talking about, he's like, wait, I got to go to this doctor. We're going to do this thing. and You're going to pretend to be my dad. He's like, well, what's our backstory? And uh, <laughs> let me find the lines because these uh, these made me laugh really loud. So he's so good. He's like, well, what about so me and your mother? He's like, okay, well, uh, you know, we met at a disco. Uh, oh, that slut! <laughs> he's like, but the sex was amazing. And you know, number five starts walking away and says something. He's like, hey, don't make me put you in timeout. Uh, Klaus and then is you, so adorable. Oh, Klaus is just one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. ever uh, from all the shows we watch. But, you know, we see the interaction between, uh, you know, Klaus five and the doctor and, uh, he starts going on, he calls him uh, grant, I think. And, uh, the doctor's <laughs> like, my name's not grant. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're going to do really well in jail. Like, here's what's going to happen, grant. And he kind of goes on about like, Oh my God, they're going to love you. Mm-hmm. He's like, I should know I've been there. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, the whole thing there, too, is like, well, you know, you laid your hand on my son. He's like, no, I didn't. Because I thought, like, that whole thing was going to be when uh, number five, like, grabbed him. Yeah. And there was going to be, like, something there. He's like, well, then how do you get that fat lip? And five and the doctor are like, what fat lip? And just, boom, punches him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but those interactions there, and even the moment when they're sitting on the, uh, the front steps, they found out that what they were looking for was kind of a dead end. And Klaus has kind of a moment of, you know, like he's, they're, they're talking about the, the person I want to wait to talk about, but he'd been with her for 30 years, uh, number five had. Mm-hmm. And uh, Klaus starts going, it's like, oh man, longest I've been with somebody was three weeks. And he almost starts to like open up a little bit, like the most we've seen. Yep. And before he can really get into it, number five just, you know, ports back into a taxi and leaves. <laughs> I mean, Klaus at that point is like, hey. Uh, oh, and let me jump back. This is the other thing I thought was hilarious with Klaus. I mean, you got to share these lines. Oh, heck yeah. When, uh, when they walk out and he's like, all right, so do I get my 20 bucks or not? He's like, hey, number five is like, hey, I just told you that the apocalypse is going to happen and you want to go get high. He's like, well, I mean, yeah, that and I'm hungry. You know, my tumblies are rumbling. <laughs> uh, but that's that's why oh, I think I it should be like him. a spinoff sitcom is Klaus and Five. Yeah, I could watch a show just about Klaus, um, no problem, if they decided to do a little spinoff after after this um, season or something. He's he's a really, uh, he's just a delight every time he's on the screen. He's actually my number two um, on here. Um, I really liked him in the, I don't know if that's a parlor, a living room, whatever the heck it is, and he's asleep on the couch and he's <laughs> running around in his, in his underwear um just hilarious um he's he's just 
he cracks me up every time I see him on there. Pogo comes up and is like, hey, yeah. you know, if, if the contents that are missing just happen to show up, you know, the parties won't get in trouble or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, that would be, what do you say? How do you say it? I totally don't have that line in front yeah, of me. He's so like, oh, well, that would be something. You yeah. Know, it's just a very like kind of like dry, like, oh, yeah, like it's not me, even though everybody knows it's me. Of course, everybody knows it's him, yes. But of course it couldn't be because he's just too too sweet for that um, and too innocent, of course. Um, yeah, super fun, that whole scene in there with Pogo. And the only problem that I really had, I, I love the, the absurdity of his plan. I think it's it was hilarious um, in its execution, and I love how over the top he is. Um, the only problem that I did have with that whole plan in that office, when you know he's you know saying you know well, I didn't give you consent you know to lay a hand on my son, and then he smashes his face with that um, snow globe, and you know the whole whole argument was based on this guy attacking them, but they were in a glass office (laughs) in these glass cubicles. And clearly somebody, one of those people, you know, they weren't alone. There were plenty of people kind of milling about in other offices and at tables and stuff. Somebody would have seen what happened and said, that's not what happened. Um, So that's like one little problem that I had with it. But if you can kind of look beyond all of that, the whole scene was, you know, really funny. And the, the guy's reaction, that doctor's reaction was just like, what the hell is going on? What are you doing? You're freaking crazy. You know, he's hitting five and hitting himself with the damn snow globe. The whole thing was hilarious. Um, (laughs) You're going to get passed around like, (laughs) you're going to do well. That's what I'm just trying to say. (laughs) Yes. I love Klaus. Never, never get enough of him. So I'm glad that you brought him up. Um, Did you have anything else you want to say on your number four? Nope. That's just my number four. Like it. Well, I'm going to bring up for my number four, Hazel and Cha-Cha. Oh, that is my number three. Yeah. Oh, good. We're, we're just running him through tonight. That's for sure. I, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to think about them. I had heard, um, not like spoilers, but you know, just hearing like the casting and stuff when you see like the trailer or you hear about the casting and I saw Mary J. Blige. I was like, I didn't know that she did any acting. Now, I didn't look her up on IMDb to see if she was in anything else. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if this is the first thing or many things that she's been in. But, you know, I, I don't know. A, I know a little of her music, but I just know she's like just a badass. Mary J. Blige is a What's, badass bitch. I know who she is. What's her big song? Can you sing it? No, Sean. I can <laughs> No, and the listeners don't want that either. You're welcome, guys, for me sparing you. Oh, I tried. You. No. What, what is like? What are some of her big songs? I'm trying. I I know of her, but I'm- gosh, you know, I don't know if she's had anything recently. So that's um, the thing. Uh, let me just look her up really quick, and I'll see what we um, come up with. Oh, a bunch of Umbrella Academy stuff is coming up. I think she was big like in like the 2000s to like the 2004 time frame, right? Yeah. That was when she was kind of big. Be Without You, Just Fine, Half of Us. I'm not sure if I know any of those. Everything. Just know she's a badass. That's, I think, all that I know about her because I'm not much of an R&B person. But I, I, I think she's super cool. But anyway, seeing her in this was was pretty cool. I thought that was an interesting choice. But really, uh, the guy, so Cha-Cha, sorry, Hazel, 
that's backwards because I was expecting her to be Hazel and him to be Cha-Cha. It was the other way around. He's Hazel. So this actor, um, I don't have his, um, oh, it was Cameron, Cameron something. He plays, and I knew this, the guy looks so unrecognizable. I saw him in another TV show. This is on Netflix, guys. I might have brought this up on another podcast, Mindhunter. Or Mindhunters. Oh, we've on talked Netflix. about that before, yeah. Yeah, that's so, the seri- like the the first group that kind of started the like serial killer kind of um, yes branch of the, the the police force. Right. So yeah, at the, at um, the FBI. So everyone knows if you listened to me before how much I go on and on about how much I love serial killers and how whenever I was about fourteen, my goal in life was to join the behavioral science unit at the FBI so I could profile serial killers and outsmart them, of course. <laughs> Because that's what I, I'm going to do. I'm so smart. Um, but that's that's what I wanted to do um, in middle school. Um, so in Mindhunters, um, and I don't want to spoil too much for anyone that maybe hasn't seen it, but um, the guy that plays Hazel plays Ed Kemper in Mindhunters. And I knew at the minute I heard that voice, I was like, oh my God, where's that voice? Because if you've seen him in Mindhunters, that voice really sticks with you. Um, and it's just very distinct and it really sticks with you. But it really threw me because in the show, he um, in Mindhunters, he wears glasses and he's clean shaven. And mm-hmm. then in this, you know, he doesn't wear glasses and he has has a beard. So it really kind of threw me. Plus, I don't know if it's just my television settings or if it's just the show, but does it run a little dark for you? This this episode kind of had very kind of strobey effects, especially when they're in the uh the um diner. Yeah. I, I almost had to stop watching the first like 10 minutes of it because it was kind of like really messing with my head. And that's kind of when you first see him. And even in the uh the warehouse, it had that same kind of effect there. Yeah, I, I kind of struggled just kind of, I'm like, I don't know if I need to change the color or something um, or the brightness or something on my TV just so I can freaking see. Um, it seems like they make shows so dark now. But anyway, I, I kind of yeah. struggled, you know, seeing him. So his face really threw me off. But boy, as soon as I heard that voice, I was like, oh my gosh, I know that voice. Where is that from? And then I looked it up and it was... Um, um, Ed Kemper from Mindhunters. Really great show, guys. I totally recommend that you check out. There's only one season right now um, on Netflix, but they have renewed it for season two, hopefully to be coming really soon. So check that out, guys. But I, I really thought that they were super fun. I'm kind of interested to learn a little bit more about them. I feel like I, I still don't quite know the picture, you know, that, you know, number five had this like chip in him, like this GPS mm-hmm. this tracking device, whatever it is. Uh, where did that come from? Who are these people? There's already been a group of assassins that have come after him. Now they're sending out the big guns with Hazel and Cha Cha. I don't know why they were wearing those weird masks in that department store. Yeah. <laughs> but I they loved like, it. When they put them on too, they kind of like went whoop. I know. I don't know what it was for, but it's just, it was kind of absurd and funny. So I'm just going with it. And I'm like, okay. That's great. Let's just do this. So Hazel and Cha-Cha, introduction to the show. Um, I like them. I think they're a great duo. Looking forward to seeing them more and learning about who they are. Yeah, and this goes right into my number three. I just called it this. They called them the suits. Mm -hmm. So I love when they first show up. They come into this like real shitty hotel. And Mm -hmm. I I love that they they made this almost kind of – I mean this is just their job, right? It's, It's just like going on a business trip. You know, you get sent somewhere and you show up. You're with the the person that you're supposed to be there with, and they're like, give you one room key. Like, wait, there's only one room? And like, it's like the whole like bureaucracy of whatever company they work for, <laughs> right? You know, and it's like Corporate you know, first, world. <laughs> yeah, first they take away our stipends, and then they're making us you know share rooms. They put us in these <laughs> shitty hotel, and you know these are like just coworkers. Like these aren't friends; these are just coworkers. Exactly. 
because you see Hazel walking around and Chacha's like, just just say it. You're going to say it anyway. What? And he's like, smells like cat piss. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have the whole, I mean, who hasn't been at a job, you know, when he puts the, whatever that suitcase thing was, we don't know what's in that. Right. Because they said something earlier too about like uh, number five time traveling. And they said, well, you know, try it without the suitcase. So I feel like that's some kind of like time travel type thing maybe. Right. But, you know, he puts it, he hides it in like the vent and she says, that's against protocol. And this is like, how many like water cooler conversations have been like this? You know, it's like, well, yeah. the people upstairs, yada, 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 <laughs> if they were down here in the trenches, they'd fucking do the protocol, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I'm going to put this on. Nobody instructions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you know you get to see those guys fight in five, which was good. Um, I like that at the that that fight, the police show up and because number five starting to have some issues, like his powers draining, and yeah. you see them kind of shift to see the police, and they shift back, and he's gone. But it, I think that shows what we've talked about with number five is his smarts. Like he couldn't get away, so he hides and does a really great job of doing that, so that they think he actually just you know jumped out of the building when he actually right. was just hiding, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I the, I the one problem I did have with that, though, is that they seemed, from what I was gathering anyway, the, the assassins, which they look kind of badass, but number five was able to take him down in that diner. Um, so these are like the next level assassins mm-hmm. because they were kind of commenting, oh, well, they sent in the local guys, and that's why he was able to take them out. They're supposed to be, you know, a little bit more leveled up. Uh, than these other assassins that came after him. So I'm thinking, okay, these guys are going to be on their game and they have some really high powered guns and they miss him a lot. It just, it's like he kept running right out in front of their yeah. guns and they kept missing him. And I'm like, okay, so I, it's just like a stormtrooper thing here, you know? It's like they just keep missing and it's just, I don't know. It was, I, I get how he was kind of time jumping and kind of going in and out and he was, you know, hiding behind the clothes or going under and you can't see him. But it, I mean, it's felt like several times he went right out in front of them and they were still missing him. So I, I had a few problems with that, that I thought, Oh, come on, you know, um, I'm willing very- to suspend my disbelief a little bit, but you know, I did have a little problem with that, but it was still a fun action sequence, you know, all in all, it was just fun to watch. Plus the music, come yeah. on, you know, queen, just to my heart's delight, as soon as Queen started playing, you know, one of my ultimate favorite bands of all time. So, yeah, I think this is something. If the show does this like near the end of every episode, where there's just, like this big battle scene with great music, like that's going to be so awesome. Yeah. Um, but they did kind of do the comic booky thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm hiding behind some clothes so you can't shoot me. Mm-hmm. When I mean, whatever they're shooting is going to go right through the clothes and hit him. So yeah. Um, it's but it was still like, fun. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like in the movies where people hide behind like plaster walls and don't get shot. It's like, <laughs> yeah, just because you're behind something doesn't mean it's going to stop everything. But. Exactly. Yeah, it was still yeah. fun. I still dig a good action sequence, guns a-blazing, and, you know, probably didn't serve too much purpose, but I always have fun with it. I just like to be entertained. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But I know some people will kind of nitpick, and that's okay if that's not your thing. But it was fun. Well, I- I dig it to an extent because it does kind of show like it's a comic book movie. You know, that's yeah. what happens in comic. It's like, well, ba- how would Batman survive 90% of the things he goes through? It's like, well, in reality, he probably can't, but it's a comic book. Right. And that's exactly. kind of what you get here. And, exactly. I, and again, I love that the, it's kind of like that dark, just 
comic booky thing too with like these guys, the suits, you know, Hazel and Cha-Cha. They're, and maybe their name, Hazel and Cha-Cha. I know. <laughs> you know, when, when they first showed up, I'm like, what, is that like really their names or is like, are they, are Code they words. working? Yeah. Are they working for a company called Hazel Cha-Cha? It's like, it was just, it was weird. And like, but it worked. And you know, I just dig that, you know, I always, oh, I just love in shows when they do the little extra to put in like the, the small talk kind of conversations, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a, Huge fan of the Kevin Smith, and that's exactly what you get there, like Quentin Tarantino type stuff. Just it it doesn't add anything to the plot, doesn't add anything to the movie. It's just it's a real life conversation. You're like, I get that. Okay. Yeah. So, a little bit yeah. of color. Yeah, yeah. A little so, bit of color. Uh, so my number three was the suits. I like that. Good title too. Well, my number three, um, just wanted to kind of mention this is just really short and sweet because this was a very small scene, but I feel like it was maybe anyway, meaningful. It may not be, but, um, Leonard. I had him down as a note. Yeah. The, this, okay. So is it just me or is this guy too perfect? Is he a bad guy? Uh, Um, yeah, I, I think he has to kind of be a bad guy. I mean, I don't know. He may not be, it could just be someone that we needed in that moment to kind of share and point out the same insecurities that Vanya has, you know, all of the things that he was talking about is stuff that she relates to and that brings out in her. And maybe it was supposed to be a relatable moment or something. I don't know. But to me, I was kind of like, no, no, what, 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 what person at that age wants to just go learn the violin mm-hmm. um, and happens to ha- well, just have a story very similar to her. So I, I think there's something uh, up with this Leonard guy. How, you have thoughts? how similar is it too? Yeah. So he was talking about his father who loved the arts, mm-hmm. who was kind of seemed very proper. Violin's a very proper thing. Uh, his father had recently died, which we know somebody else had recently died. Right. Uh, you know, so my thoughts, you know, I don't know anything about this and I'm just kind of, you know, shooting from the hip, but I think because if it was just him showing up and leaving, like that's probably one thing, but they really focused on it quite a bit. Yes. And to me, it's kind of one of those things where I think he's got some connection to their dad. That's my thought is like somehow mm. maybe he was being raised in a, a second academy, like an offshoot of the academy or something like that. Or maybe he's one of the other 36. Yeah, say what if he, yeah, that's where I was just thinking is if he's one of the other 36. Um, cause you gotta remember they're not the only kids out there, Yeah, you know, that, that were born that day. Um, and that could potentially have, you know, some, some sort of special gift or something. And just as a side note, speaking of Vanya and these gifts and stuff, what really irritates the hell out of me is, I mean, one, I don't really believe Vanya doesn't have some type of power. You know, um, I think we just haven't discovered it yet. I think it's somehow suppressed. Maybe she didn't know how to le- learn how to use it or tap into it or something. I don't know. But the girl can play the shit out of a violin yeah. and that is a gift. And that does not make, you know, that to me makes her extraordinary, not ordinary and not normal. Um, I don't know too many people that can play a violin like she does. So just as a side note, um, I meant to say that in the first episode when we were kind of talking about how, you know, he kind of picked at her and, you know, the Hargreaves, their father picked at her and kind of segregated her from the other group. Like, well, you're not special enough to go down there and help, help, you know, with, with the bank robbery and, and, you know, help with the bad guys because you're not special. You're ordinary. I'm like, dude, she is far from ordinary. Look at what she can do. So anyway, it's kind of a side note that I have, but yeah, I, I'm like you, they kind of focused in on a lot of what, you know, and was kind of making a point to really focus on what the things that Leonard was saying and relating um, to Banya. So I, 
I just thought there was more to it than that and wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, I I always thought that if I wanted to raise my kid more classical, more classy, I'd put a violin or like a cello in his hands. Yeah. But I want to raise a rock star, so I put a guitar <laughs> and a pair of drumsticks in his hands sooner than later. Well, uh, that's good. That's okay. But have you ever seen the two cellists? I've seen some. Uh, I don't know if it's the two cellists. I've seen some uh, some groups that do like more rock style. Oh, well, I know there's uh, Apocalyptica. Yep. They're kind of a string, a, a classical string like rock group. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some people who can rock it on those things too. I'll have to send you a quick YouTube video. There's some that are kind of long. And if you're anything like me, like if a YouTube video starts going into the five, 10 minute range, I start zoning out because I've got a very short attention span. So FYI for anyone, um, I'll try to find one that's just a couple minutes. But I first, I kind of heard a little bit about them, but I first saw them in concert. I went to an Elton John concert a couple years ago and he opened, or they opened. It's two, um, I think they're brothers, but I may not, I could be wrong. And they play the cello. And they rock the hell out of that. Like they were nice. playing Metallica and ACDC. I've heard, yeah, I don't know if it's them, but I've heard some like string yeah. bands that play those. And they, like, they and were amazing. Even, it's not really the same, but there's like a, um, oh, I don't know what you call it. It's like a banjo, like, you know, the dude mm-hmm. with the spoons, like playing a Thunderstruck. Yeah. And that's that's pretty cool, too. I yeah. always love those twists. So, yeah, don't, you know, hey, if, if, if you know, your young one is, you know, kind of eyeballing a cello or a violin, be like, it's okay, you can rock that out, too. <laughs> it's possible, because those guys are pretty damn talented. Um, I, I encourage anyone, if you haven't heard of them, check them out on YouTube. There's some great videos. But, yeah, um, music is good, dude. Oh, yeah. I played saxophone in high school and loved it, so. Really? Yep. Interesting. Talking about your queen, uh, the uh, mama I just killed a man part, I had a solo for that on my saxophone. Did you really? Yep. Got any video? I don't think so. Oh, I don't yeah. think we had. That Aww. was back in the day when like it was all like handheld, like huge-ass VHS cameras. Right. With the big, so, like, those, big VHS tape inside yeah. of it, not the little one, yeah. So those didn't get packed around too much. Man, that's crazy to think about. Like today, age, like everything is going to be on videos for kids. Ugh, everything. Yeah. I'm actually glad there's really not a whole lot of like video or, you know, there's just old, you know, printed out photographs um, and half of them are lost. I don't need to see a lot of that whenever I was young. I cringe at what my Facebook and Twitter posts would have been when I was like 12 through 15. Mm -mm. No, I was on my way home earlier and on the radio they were having a little thing. This is totally getting sidetracked, guys. I'm sorry. But just really quickly, um, did you grow up without social media and are you glad that you did or didn't? And I'm thinking, uh, I know the number one reason I'm glad I didn't grow up with social media and that's because I don't need any of the bad shit I did recorded and posted (laughs) for all the damn world to see. Uh, I was such an emo kid, so it would have been like sad, like... (laughs) Music <laughs> lyrics and pictures of like Mm-mm. despair, like, oh my God, my life's so terrible. I yeah. went through that phase, but in high school, yeah, that, that wouldn't, there was a, a friend of mine that, po- now we didn't have social media and of course we didn't have like uh, camera phones, uh, but someone, we were all smoking in the girl's bathroom and oh. someone took a picture of all of us and we're all just a laughing and a giggling and there I am, you just laughing with the smoke in my hand and she happened to have the picture of it and she scanned it and put it on Facebook and tagged me oh, in it nice. and I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> and this is y- y- a gazillion. 
million years later, you know, my kid has grown, but she saw that because I was tagged in and she goes, are you smoking in the girl's bathroom? And I'm like, girl, that is like the least bad thing that I did. Okay. This is, I wanted to text my friend and be like, would you delete that shit? I'm glad you owned it. You weren't like, no, I was holding it for a friend. No, it was mine. It was totally mine. She knew that I smoked, but I'm just like, that's the least terrible thing that I did and, you know, bad thing that I did behind everyone's back or even at school. Um, <laughs> you had your own little fight club in the girls' bathroom. Hey, the first rule of fight club. Yep. We don't talk about fight club. Anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that didn't exist back in the day. But um, I don't even know where we were going with that. That was um, – did we get to your number two yet? What were we on? I know that was my number, number three. three. Yeah, so we're on my number two. Your number two. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but it's kind of the twofold. It's it's the eyeball then coming to the future and finding all most of his siblings dead. Yeah. Um. So we we find out he you know uh, Luther is holding an eyeball that he clearly ripped out of somebody's head. Yeah, that was that was yeah, blood tied gnarly. to it. And so it seemed very important to number five in the future. So he keeps it, comes back and tries to find out what it is and come to find out eight days before the apocalypse, it hasn't been manufactured yet. That's kind of so weird. Did, did that, that seem a little weird to you? It seems, I mean, I, I guess in a world of 3D printing and stuff like that, I guess you could get like a turnaround on that in a day or two. But yeah, to me, it, it seems like. Take to make that, an eyeball. I mean, you at least be able to be like, oh, it's not made yet, but it's been ordered. I mean. I know Amazon's awesome, but it still takes me like three days to get my cat litter here. I mean, I know. it's and although I, feel I did like, order something and got here Monday, but that's beside the point. I feel like, and I'm by no means an expert, but I feel like that, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they have some in stock. Like, oh, you know, and you have to get fitted. Like, if you, God forbid, ever lose like a limb, that you get fitted for a prosthetic, and they go through like. They they make them so good nowadays that they kind of custom fit to your leg because everybody's anatomy is different, right? So, you know, your leg shape is different than other person's leg shape. So there isn't like a, a one size fits all for a new arm or a leg. And I'm guessing it's kind of similar for like an eyeball that they probably have some in stock, like some various sizes, but maybe sometimes they would need to like actually make you one size you up. I don't know how they measure the size, eye color and kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Color. And yeah, especially color. Cause you want it to kind of match the other one. So I'm sure there's not, you know, something just always in stock that's going to match. So it's like, can you really get that? And yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe with the whole 3d printing thing and then somebody can custom paint it, but it just seemed kind of odd. I thought it hasn't been manufactured yet. And it, you're, you're somewhat is going to have it in eight days. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it I mean, weird. Eight days, take out two days for the weekend. Let's say he got there on a Monday. You know they're not going to have it ready. He's got to go in, and just like anything, it's going to take an extra day or two for them two to Two days shipping in. for Amazon <laughs> The doctor's probably going on vacation. Maybe oh, that's what God. happened. Maybe somebody got a bad eye, and they got pissed, and they're like, Aah! Oh, my God. That's going to make me choke on my wine. But but yeah, that's my number two. Like we said, we talked a little bit about uh, all the family members being being dead, but uh, and the eyeball too. Very curious about that. <laughs> I am curious about that eyeball. That was that was gnarly. Glad it wasn't a real one because it, it was already kind of gross being a fake uh, one. Yeah. Um. Well, my number two. I've already talked about Klaus, um, and of course how much we love him, and I could 
talk all day and have a, a love fest all about Klaus. But um, I think we've kind of exhausted him at the moment. So if you want to go ahead, let's get to, because I got a feeling our number ones are going to be the same. So yeah. what you so, got? Tiffany, I've talked about Tiffany a few times. She's watched mm-hmm. uh, a couple of the shows with me. Yep. And I thought she had watched the first episode with me, but apparently she didn't. So she watched episode two with me. And so I was getting her caught up, kind of explaining some stuff. And the scene with, which was my number one, Dolores happened. Dolores. So we get exposed to her early um, as he's sitting on the, the porch or the, the the steps with Klaus. Number five says, you know, I, he was in love. He met Dolores. He was with her for 30 years. And and instantly kind of my um, uh, radar of like, wait, this is this is a plot hole. What's going on here? Because he said he didn't meet anybody. Right. And then he, he talked like he was like the only person left on yeah. earth. It's like. So who's this person? Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he met her later or something like that. But he he's very, like, he really wants to find this warehouse. He talked about in the first episode. And, mm-hmm. again, my mind's on the mission. Like, he's got to get to the warehouse because he knows something happened at the warehouse. But that's not the case. He goes to the warehouse, and he finds a mannequin named Dolores. And Tiff, uh, Tiffany probably thought I was fucking nuts because she's sitting there with me. <laughs> and as he walks up to it, you know, I'm like, before he's in sudden, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Dolores. And I'm like, oh, like I'm like almost tearing up. Oh. And she's, you know, I look over at her. She's got this confused look. She's like, what the fuck's he doing with a mannequin? Like, what fucking show are you watching? Is this like Cam? Are you watching a movie like Cam? <laughs> but it reminded it's me a lot. It's not like Cam. <laughs> It reminded me a lot of, have you ever seen I Am Legend with Will Smith? Oh, I watched it when it first came out or, well, I should say rental. I didn't go to the movies, but um, whenever it was first available for rent and it feels like forever ago. So it's been a while, but I, I vaguely remember. There's, there's a, basically he's all alone in New York. He's just mm-hmm. got his dog. Right. And he sets up mannequins. This is really spoilery because I mean, it's, it's, doesn't, it's, it's it doesn't it's, do the plot. Yeah. It's been out there for a while though too. So yeah. But he sets up mannequins almost to be like just everyday people. Like you'll see one guy on the street he always says hi to. He's got a video store that he goes into. And yeah. each time in the video store he says something about like, oh, what's up with that one? Like what is she still seeing somebody? Like having these real conversations with these mannequins. And mm-hmm. um, going even deeper, like I, I haven't really thought about it too much, but I've, I've been listening to a podcast called Ear Hustle. It's about um, – it follows these guys who are actually in prison and they kind of talk about prison life and like the guy that's on, it's been there for like 20 years and they talked about solitary confinement in one of the episodes. And I was always a person that's like, Oh my gosh, you put me alone with books. I'd be fine. But you think of that human interaction yeah. that you don't get. And you know, even in these worlds where it's open, like you're creating these humans out of these ma- like, like mannequins, basically you're giving them feelings, you're giving them the stuff and, for somebody to basically love an inanimate object for 30 years because that's the only human touch, the only human feel you could have. And it's not even like on a creepy like sexual layer. Like this is just like having conversations and feeling like somebody's listening. And for him to do that for 30 years, it's no wonder when he went back in time because apparently he lost her at some point. Something happened. Yeah. And his main goal, which you know, I think of time travel, like what would be my main goal if I could time travel back 20 years? Would it be 20 years or more than that now? No, it'd be right at about 20 years probably. 
um, would be to like go with some, like find somebody that I lost, like, you know, like my grandma or my grandpa, like people that are no longer here. Like that would be the first thing I would do. And that's kind of what he did here. Like it's that same emotion, that same love, that same just pulling on your heartstrings. And it's so sad to be like, this guy, this kid was alone for 30 years. Yeah. And his first thing after seeing his family was to find Dolores. Yeah. Um, that, that was tough. I'm, that's my number one too. So I'll just kind of, you know, just have a conversation about it here um, since since you've brought it up. But, you know, it's easy to just look and go, well, clearly he's lost his fucking mind. Um, there I go with the F-bomb. Sorry, guys. Um, but, you know, because his Hargraves, their father said, you know, we don't know what this time travel thing's going to do to your mental state. So you're thinking, he's crazy. He's yeah. He's lost his shit from all this time travel and he's loving up on a mannequin. But it, when you think about it, like how you just said it, it makes sense. That's what we all crave, right? I mean, the basic, or at least one of the things that we crave is, is just basic human connection. And if there are no humans for him to connect with, you know, it's the next closest thing. Look at Tom Hanks and Castaway with Wilson. Great point. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I equated thing. to. I heard someone else I was kind of reading online after I'd watched the episode, someone else had kind of made that, um, I am legend comparison. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But what came into my head was, well, son, yeah. you know, well, yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's, that, and that he was scene, a volleyball. It wasn't even yeah. anything remotely like a, a, a person. He had that. And sorry, this is if this is spoilery for anyone. If you haven't seen Castaway, come on by now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for you. Um, but you know when he had the bloody that was handprint. Next to my cue. <laughs> sorry, save 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 you almost three hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know he had the like the bloody print, and it just happened. You know in the middle of that bloody handprint on there looked like a human face. Yeah. So you know that was enough for him to kind of you know, and he's he's talking to it. And he's having conversations like Wilson is talking back. So that's why it was so confusing in the first episode when number five is like, well, yeah, I don't remember exactly what he said, but something like, yep, that's what Dolores said or something. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I thought he was alone. You know, he's like the only human. And then you find out Dolores is a mannequin. He's like, okay, he's having conversations with this mannequin. She's, you know, talking to him. (laughs) uh, Well, I mean, you think back to Castaway, like that scene when, you know, he has to choose between Wilson and him surviving. Like, yeah, he chooses himself and like it tears him up. And like, oh my God, Tom Hanks is like one of the best actors of all time because him on that raft just he, going, Wilson, I'm sorry, Wilson. If, if you didn't, if that didn't get you oh, in the feels, yeah. check your pulse, man. Because <laughs> even when he got back, you know, you know, he's like, man, like it was just a volleyball, but. It wasn't just a volleyball. It wasn't just a volleyball. That was his companion. Um, And it wasn't even, like you said, it wasn't even anything sexual. It was just a need for connection. That's what we Mm -hmm. all want is is connection at the the most basic level. You know, it doesn't even have to be, you know, a a loved one or, you know, a lover. It just a friend, just someone to connect with. And that's what we all crave. I mean, that's why we have pets and stuff like that. Like we have human conversations with pets and I'm yes. sure if in this world he could find like a living animal, he'd probably have that bond with it. But even then it looks like there's no animals around whatsoever. So this is like the only thing he has available to him. Right. And it makes sense to how he is. I mean, he, he always, just from the little that we've seen of them as a group and together as children um, before he disappeared, um, it seems like he's kind of a standout anyway, because he does seem 
I don't know if he's if you'd say he's the smartest one, but he certainly seems to be like he he thinks of himself as superior. It seems <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I um, so I feel like he already kind of segregates himself just a little bit. Like, well, I'm already smarter than you or better than you guys at this because I can do this. Um, but now he really was like removed from everyone and now he's back and he's had 30 years of no human interaction or contact and now, or at least I think anyway from what I, what I can gather unless we find out something where he's has been able to jump back in different times but um so it's probably left him a little socially awkward even though it's his siblings it's kind of like I haven't really talked to another human in how many years yeah. you know so that's probably why he's acting a little strange um so it kind of makes sense I thought it was kind of sweet um you know uh that he he cared that much for her and um even though she was just a mannequin so I like it Dolores do you have anything else you want to add no, I think that kind of tidies up Dolores. Uh, I'm curious to see nice. what happens, you know, with a lot of that too. But but yeah, it's pulled on the heartstrings, and it's it's tough to explain to your wife why you're crying over a mannequin. Yeah, and how deep did that relationship go? Yeah, that's true. No, don't I don't I don't need that <laughs> answer. That was just this random thought in my head. Shame on me for thinking it, but um, I don't need that answered, and I don't need to see it. <laughs> Do you have any notes? Uh, let's see. So, uh, I think it's just a couple. I think a lot of it, uh, the cold case from 38, we, we've, we mentioned that a little bit. Um, Diego's kind of, um, really intriguing me more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives in a, a boxing gym's boiler room. Yeah. He isn't there working all the time. Apparently he's kind of doing like a Batman vigilante thing. Yeah. Uh, he's got an interesting relationship with a, a cop. Uh, and it's, it was interesting to me as he was walking through the gym with all of his knives and basically his full gear. Nobody really batted an eye. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, that's Diego, the guy who fights crime. Like it was just just what it was, right? Um, but you definitely see like Diego of of all the family members is probably the one living in the the roughest setup. I mean, it's a boiler room and a boxing gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just kind of like I said, there's there's not much. This, too much to say about it, but just kind of getting a lot more about him. And he was boxing the night his father died. Yep. So we know so he was, fights too. Yeah. He fights in, in, in matches and stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting because that's kind of like his, you know, his brother was like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, why well, didn't think I, I don't think I have to, like, I shouldn't have to prove my innocence to my own brother. Exactly. So it, it kind of seems like he has an interesting, like honor type of mentality. So mm-hmm. again, of the characters, I think Klaus is my comedy love. And then we've got Diego, which is kind of the, the vigilante piece of this that I really enjoy. Well, and if you love him for nothing else, at least love him for his uh, dancing skills. That's true. He's first got some episode, good moves. Those were some great moves to Tiffany, man. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Any other notes? Nope. They'll tidy up my notes. Okay. Well, going just from what you mentioned, um, Diego's, you know, room, that he was staying in. So between his room, I don't know that we can really call him an apartment, but the room that he's staying at there at the gym. Um, and then Vanya's bleak apartment. Um, I don't know about the other siblings, but it looks like that they're not really, they either don't have access to, they haven't been given, or maybe they even refused money from their father. Mm. Um, so I think that kind of sheds a little bit of light 
you know, as far as, um, I mean, Allison, it seems like she's a, a bit of a celebrity. So it sounds like she's probably made her own money to haven't seen where she lives yet. Um, don't know about well, Klaus. Vanya sold a book too. And it seems like she's doing okay, like her apartment looks okay, but doesn't look like anything amazing. I mean, it, it was just very bleak and the detail, just like the detail at the mansion was really great. And I love how they continue to add to that as we see different rooms and stuff to the, to the, um, to the mansion is they do a really great job on that. They did a really great job in contrast with Vanya's apartment. Um, it wasn't teeny tiny. It certainly wasn't as terrible as living conditions. I felt as like Diego, um, but it was just very, I don't know. You'd expect that if she had a somewhat popular book, she might have at least something a little bit more brighter or cheerful, or maybe that's just not her personality or something. I don't know, but it was just, I thought kind of interesting. So I thought, well, their, their dad's like a billionaire, yeah. Why don't they have? I mean, you don't have to live, and I don't. I'm not saying just because you have money that you have to live in a, a McMansion or, you know, own a whole street block or anything like that. But you would think that you would at least Diego might have his own place and not be, you know, scrounging um, in this gym boiler room. So I just thought that was interesting. Maybe we'll get some more um, insight into that. Um, one thing that kind of disappointed me just a little bit in this episode. We're only on episode two. We just met these new characters. They're all siblings, and I feel like we should kind of stick with them just a little bit more. I wish this episode had been a little, you know, pushed out a couple more episodes and we had more interaction between the siblings. I feel like we're just getting to know them, and now we're separating them out and we're diving into their backgrounds of lovers and their lives that are separately led outside of each other. And I just, I I feel like I want to kind of get to know them more um, as a sibling dynamic than, than having them separated out already. So I feel like there's a lot to unpack about them as siblings or their life as siblings and growing up and their baggage and their, you know, how they're so dysfunctional and, so I wish we had stuck with them just a little bit longer, but maybe we'll kind of come back to that just a little bit um, as we move along. Um, just a funny note. There was a particular scene, and I can't even tell you where, um, Luther's like walking down a hallway or something. And the thing that struck me the most was he looks like the guy that skips leg day. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know you appreciate this as a fellow fitness fanatic. You know, it's like, <laughs> just it looks like he skips leg day. <laughs> And who wouldn't? Because leg day sucks, oh my right? Gosh. You hurt for like two and a half days. Oh my yeah. god! And when you're out of shape, and like I remember, I'd been hadn't really done any hard workouts in like a month. I'd kind of done one here and there, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "No, I'm getting back into this." Jumped into leg day, and I'm not kidding. For four Oof. days, I could not Oof. walk. I was popping Motrin like it was Tic Tacs. Um, and I was hurting, so yeah, I think we all need to skip leg day. Um, curious to know what was in the box that Klaus threw away. Yeah, they seemed to focus on that a little bit tighter than yeah, usual. That seemed to be important, so will that come back around? Um, Luther's still eating space food. I noticed, yeah, it looked like a little kid's <laughs> like uh, food thing. Yeah, nowadays they have these little, what, those little applesauce squeezy things or whatever the heck they are. They, it looks gross. I don't oh, know. They, yeah. That stuff was not around when my kid was little. You still had fruit cups. Um, yeah, but now there's these little are, squeeze ooh. pouches. Are they good? You have a little one. Do you have I'm those? I've never tried it because that stuff like makes me kind of like sick, like mushy stuff. I'm like, what? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And kids, kids are disgusting because they get it all over and they're all over their face and they're like, don't do that. And it gets all over their hands. Like, we gotta wash your hands. And they run all over the house. And they're putting it all over the place. It's Sporting like, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It was kind of hard to tell. Like, oh, that's space food, not just one of those little fruit squeezy packet thing. I don't even know what they're called. That's way beyond um, my years because my kid is older now and uh, we didn't have those little packets. But I just thought that was funny. I'm like, dude, you're on Earth. Enjoy a freaking burger. Uh, yeah, no joke, you, right? And, and how the hell would he, he that shit must contain a lot of protein because how the hell did he get so damn big um, on space, space cows? Food? Well, the, the moon's, the moon's uh, made of cheese, so and that's high in protein. That's right. There you go. What was I thinking? Science. Science. Science, bitch. Um, and then what did Allison see on the surveillance tapes? So yeah. just what what are uh, what are we looking for for answers um, in episodes to come? So that was all my notes. Um, I think we knocked that one out of the park. Good notes. Good notes. Um, so now we have one news item. I thought this was interesting. I, I have to be really careful when combing through the news, but something I found interesting, um, at least for the first few episodes. This is from Billboard.com. So Netflix's new series, The Umbrella Academy, isn't just a much-talked-about hit. Music featured in the 10-episode first season, which premiered um, in its entirety February 15th, shows major gains in streams and sales on Billboard charts. So in all, the catalog of music featured in the show gained by 50%. In the February 15th to 21st tracking week, according to Nielsen Music. So Queen's Don't Stop Me Now leads all music from the show in overall volume in the tracking week, having sold 8,000 downloads and drawn 4.8 million uh, streams. So it's up 81 and 25 or up 81 and 25 percent. But you got to remember Bohemian Rhapsody um, has still, you know, kind of new. Um uh, from the movies, and then it's just been released um, on uh, rental and digital uh, not that long ago. So that also, you, you get that one's kind of hard to track because is it from the movie? Is it from Umbrella Academy? Probably both. Um, as for songs not assisted by other outside forces, Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now featured in the show's first episode in a cast-wide dance scene that's become one of the most discussed moments of the series so far, which sold 4,000 downloads and garnered a million streams. Vaults of 1,593 and 213%. Dang. Nice. That, go Tiffany. I wonder if she's still getting royalty checks from that. She probably got a check in the mail and was like, what the hell? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> what was this for? Unfortunately, <laughs> she probably sold the rights to it to somebody else. So there's probably some like I know. line somewhere at some you know record company. It's like, oh, hey. We see a little bitty tick here. What's going on? Yeah, no kidding. So there was also um, Umbrella Featured Music Series executive producer Gerard Way, which he's the f- dude uh, that wrote the comics. Um, he did a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Hazy Shade of Winter that was uh, that featured Ray Toro. Um, and was released prior to the show's release in its first trailer. It debuts on alternative digital song sales at number 20, with 2,000 sold, up 391%. And then uh, directly below that, Wood Kids' Run Boy Run, which debuted at number 21. So that song Run Boy Run is what was playing as number five was running after he left the mansion and started doing his little time jumps. That was a song that was playing Run Boy Run. So anyway, some really great... um, we love music here on Strange Indeed. We love to talk about music. And so I just thought that was super fun um, because there's music is obviously a big part um, of this show. So I thought that was super fun. So 
now we move on to messages from the other 36. All right, so we have one from Gwendolyn Fig. So here's my feedback for episode two. I like this episode. More of number five story. I'm glad they're not dragging that out. I'm loving Klaus and his zaniness. Also, his interactions with Ben. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but his interactions with Ben were really funny. Yeah, I'm curious to learn more about Ben. I liked him. I wonder if that is the age Ben died. The statue looked younger. That's a good point, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely want more about his story. Cha-Cha and Hazel were all right. It was cool it was Mary J. Blige, though. I didn't get the giant headgear to shoot at number five. (laughs) He knows who they are, and they put them on after they were in the store, so any surveillance would have caught them. I'm thinking Vanya has something to do with the destruction. I got a weird vibe from the violin student. Mm -hmm. Something's not right with him. I hope to get more substance from Luther. He creeps me out. (laughs) Did he never do leg workouts? (laughs) Have a good one. Someone also behind my theory that he skips leg day. Yeah. He's upper body only. I know. It's that that bartender workout. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I like that. Um, Next one's from Lindsay Schlicht. Says, rough episode for me. I was bored. Hope it picks up. The only scene that stuck out to me was the Fight Club-esque scene with Klaus. Yeah, that was good. Other than that, meh. Hoping for better next week. I'll be interested to hear your views. Maybe you can change my mind. I don't know, Lindsay. You'll have to let us know mm-hmm. if we changed your mind or not. I do feel like it's not as fast paced as a lot of shows we've watched before, but yeah. it's not it's not too slow paced where I feel like we're kind of groveling. Right. Like I feel like each episode has some kind of meaning. Like what we covered uh previously was you, and I felt like there's some episodes that really felt like, okay, come on, let's Let's yeah. get to the next thing, you know, but but this one feels like at least each scene has some kind of meaning, so. Yeah. I'm still I'm I'm still staying positive about it. I kind of understand where she was coming from. Um, you know, as far as it was a little bit slower, um, but I think there was some really great things to come out of it and some good food for thought, for sure. So, well, that was great. Thank you, everyone, for writing in and contributing. I love getting feedback from all sorts of sources. We've been getting um, Instagram messages, Facebook, email. We get voice messages. Any way that you guys um, want to send in some feedback, we love hearing from you guys. I love getting your perspectives because you guys always kind of point something out that I miss. Um, So I love hearing from you guys, and thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right, so next week we'll be covering the third episode from Netflix TV series, The Umbrella Academy, titled Extraordinary. The description of this episode is, Worried their mother is hiding something, Luther and Allison call a family meeting. Cha-Cha and Hazel catch a break in their hunt for five. I'm going to throw this out there right now. I hate family meetings. Mm, Nothing good ever comes from a family meeting, right? No, and especially ones that like call it a family meeting. Yeah. Just annoys me. You know, it's like, I, I probably get a little too judgy here. Sorry. But whenever, like, I've been around the family's like, nope, we're having a family meeting. It's like, you mean a discussion? No, a family meeting. Yeah. All right, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, they get kind of stuck on that rate. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of a, a family meeting. Um, 
even as an adult, whenever I was having to like help partake or be in charge of a family meeting, I still didn't like it. I'm like, this is dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, can we just do a family scrum. Can we just do a 15 minute scrum every meeting? Like, let's just do that. Yeah, makes. We'll do a retro. Exactly, it makes much more sense. Um, well, yeah, that that sounds exciting. So I can't wait for that one. Um, but we're really excited for you to join our Crime Fighting Academy for mission updates. Follow us on Twitter at Strange Tcast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTcast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like House Podcastica at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And if you're wondering what is House Podcastica, if you haven't heard it enough from us before, um, Podcastica it has their own Game of Thrones um, podcast, and that is House Podcastica. Uh, Kristen has been leading that and doing a fantastic job um, with a great round table of guest hosts as they talk about a great, great show every week. She's been doing a series rewatch to get you geared up ready for season eight. It is uh, season eight comes out April 15th. So if you need a place to go get caught up and if you don't want to get caught up, but you want someone to listen to for season eight, check out House Podcastica and Kristen. It's super awesome. Sean and I have been on. Um, we have a ton of fun um, for sure. So check them out. And Rima, I hate to take your nerd card, but it's not April uh-oh. 15th. It's April 14th. Don't want anybody to miss that. Oh my God. I'm make so sure you're, Make sure you have it updated on your calendar. I don't want you to miss it either. I'm so embarrassed. Do you know why I said April 15th? Because why I'm sitting that? here staring at my tax papers that I haven't uh, I haven't done my taxes yet. And I've kind of had like April 15th drilled in my head because I'm thinking, gotcha. how many more days have I got? How many more days have I got? No shit. That's like legit. I was just thinking that today. I was like, oh my God, what's today? And how many weeks have I got? I got to, you know, and I made my appointment today to go get them done. So that's why April 15th is stuck in my head. I was head. wondering why I've been having some people come to my house in suits asking about you and like your financial situations. So that's, that's Sean, you know. we don't joke about that. We're not. <laughs> Joking about that. <laughs> that is We're not on joke the internet. material. They're listening. <laughs> that is not joke material. No, that is why it's stuck in my head, though. All I've had it in my head for the last week is April 15th. That's tax day, tax day, tax day. Anyway, sorry to bum everyone out with talk about taxes, but you can see I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Um, but speaking of great podcasts, because that's where we want to focus our time at, at right now, um, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, so we're doing our trilogy of our brogrimage coming out. So like I said, Yay! if you want to figure out what scared the shit out of me so much, the most scared I've been out in my life, you get a little preview on this Sunday's episode, and then you'll find out what it is in next week's episode, the week after next week. Well, I know I want to know, so I'll be checking uh, it out for sure. I got to hear this story for sure. All right, well, that's our show, episode 81, Run, Boy, Run. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Sufu74 is strange indeed.